Happy Father's Day to our fathers here. And um, I'd like to apologize to our friends and uh, guests here because um, it's a bit cramped. But when we go over to the new place uh, two weeks from now, it'll be much more bigger, right? Much more bigger, more comfortable. <coughs> um, I'm assigned the the topic, prefer one another, taken from Romans 12, verse 10. All right. We state, we, the scripture text reads, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. The word preferring, prefer one another, the word prefer in Greek is proege ome. All right. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, it only occurred one time in the New Testament, right? So I was jesting with um, Brother Alvin while you assigned me this topic. Uh, so difficult to preach. You are so lucky you got comfort, you are forgiving, and all, all those uh, edifying love. So many verses, so many references. I only got one only. How, how am I going to? How am I going to teach on this preferring one another? Only one time occurred in the. New Testament. Anyway, I'll do my best, okay? <laughs> Singapore has a um, lot of migratory birds. There are 40 species, 40 species that comes to Singapore during the month of August to September. And they come very far away from Siberia, Siberia, north of, of Russia, and from the Himalayas, all right? So, I was looking at some object lesson that we can learn for this lesson. And um, I came across this uh, particular species, but they didn't fly to Singapore, unfortunately, <laughs> all right? They are the Canadian, Canadian Greece. They are also migratory. Canada, they fly all the way downward to San Francisco, right? Naturalists have observed that <laughs> these birds have a strong sense of family dedication. Both parents, both parents, they defend and they provide for the young. Often, several parents in family group they were joined together to take care of each other, young ghostlings. Those who studied Canadian geese have been intrigued by their loyalty to family groups. We stay very close together, even within large flocks. If a bird becomes ill or injured during migration and cannot continue with the flock, a few family members will go down, right? They will go down with the unhealthy bird to keep it safe while it recuperates. Only when the injured bird is ready to fly or succumb to death will the healthy geese take off again. God has placed within these geese what is needed for their individual survival and for the existence 
of the entire flock. Their natural instincts are given by God, our Creator. <coughs> There's a familiar saying that birds of feather flock together, an old English proverb. The meaning is that human beings of similar type, interest, personality, character, or other distinctive attributes, they tend to mutually associate. Birds of a feather don't just flock together. They also influence each other's behavior. We are on a series of one another. It's interesting that this series was chosen, all right? Because 100 times it's mentioned in a New Testament. 60% of it is from the Apostle Paul. It can be the hundred over verses of one another can be categorized into three or four categories, right? One third of one another is on unity, right? Things like the church getting along, peace within peace with one another, accepting one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, be kind and tender-hearted to one another. Bear with each other, bear with one another. And the other one third is on love. That was preached on, on the first time on this series. Alright? Love. And today we are talking about Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another. Tolerate one another. Serve one another. And 15% of the one another is on humility. Alright? Subject one to one to one another. Regard one another as more important than yourself and so on and so forth. And the rest are all miscellaneous one of one another. When we come to Romans 12 verse 10, we need to look at the context. If, and the context in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 starts off. In Romans chapter 1 to 11, it talks about the doctrine of the gospel. And then Romans 12 is on the practical side. Or on the practical side. So Romans 12 verse 1 says in King James Version, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. All right, the transform is from the Greek word metamorpho. All right, metamorpho is from our English word metamorphosis, alright? From a caterpillar, you transform into a butterfly, alright? So, by the we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we look at the Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to verse 27, on the practical side of this, of it, is that there are at least 24 commands mentioned by Apostle Paul. Verse 9 to 27, I'm only doing one or two today, right? In the Bible, there are four kinds of... Um, 
four unique forms of Greek words for love. In English, we say, I love you. So, but in, in, in Greek, there are four, basically, there are more, but four kinds of, four words, four Greek words for love is mentioned, all right? One of them is storge, right, storge. The second one is eros. The third is philia. The fourth is agape, right? Storge is family love. Eros is romantic love or sensual love. Philia is brotherly love. Right? You come on the word Philadelphia. Right? Philadelphia. Right? City of brotherly love. Right? Came from the founder who was negotiating with the Red Indians over a piece of land and he created a city. And he wanted the city to be of his own denomination. So that's why he called it the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And finally, the highest form of love, and that is agape love, right? God's divine love. <clears throat> the word um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, 10, right? The word, there's a word called philos, philostogos, right? Romans 12, 9, 10. In King James, let love, that's agape love, be without dissimulation. Dissimulation means Hypocrisy, all right? Hypocrisy is mentioned many times in the Bible. Christ hates hypocrisy. And we are told not to be, um, seen to be religious, but our heart is far away. All right, from 15, uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. And it says that, Abhor that which is evil, and cleave, fasten to that which is good. So be kindly affection, that is philo storge. Alright, Philos to God. One to another with brotherly love, brother Philadelphia, in honor, preferring one another. <coughs> Philos to God, as I mentioned earlier, is the mutual love defined by Taya, is the mutual love of parents and children and wives and husbands. Loving affection, prone to love, loving tenderly. Whereas Philadelphia, is love of brothers or sisters, all right? Brotherly love. In the New Testament, the love which Christians cherish for each other as brethren. So it's the affection of, of a family that comes with familiarity and deep bonds, right? Of course, in a family, you get squabbles, right? Sometimes you can get mad. Over, but if you let a bully pick on your brother, you can see the family affection showing a powerful side. Or you let one of the family members get a life-threatening sickness <coughs> or even die. There will be a kind of tears, right, that do not come out from others. When I was doing my research on this Romans chapter 12, verse 10, I was reminded of, of the in King James there's this word called one accord. Alright, King James version, one accord. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the decide the apostles was of one accord. Alright. In Acts chapter um, uh, 2, verse 47, 46, when the three thousands were baptized, 
they were of one accord in the temple. They were, they were daily, right, sharing food, having uh, 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 fellowship, having food ship, all right, and they were uh, praising God and having favor with all the people in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47. So, but when it comes to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says that 5,000 men were who believe, all right? 5,000 men believe in Acts chapter 4. From 3,000, it grew to 5,000. And, and in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it mentioned that the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and one soul. They were in one accord. They were one heart, one soul. That is probably love, all right? They were strangers, all right? They were, they were aliens from 15 countries, all right? But... When it came together, there was a body, there was a bond, right? Straight away from stranger, they, they have a bond. <clears throat> but unfortunately, the first sin occurred in the New Testament, right? In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, and it was a sin of hypocrisy. Being they tried to be religious, but they were faking it, right? They were pretending they were pretending. To be religious. In John chapter 15, verse 12, Christ says, You love one another as I have loved you. When we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and 5, the preceding verses of Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says that for by the grace of given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, to think with sober judgment, each according to the measures of faith that God has assigned. But for as in one body, in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, so we, Though many are one body in Christ, and individually, individually we are members one of another. The Apostle Paul declares that we are members of one another. The idea of being members of one another means that we are connected. Right? We are connected. It's the equivalent of family. Family members are individuals. But they are members of one another. So this is the picture that is given to us. Though there are many members, we are members one to another. The, this family picture is mentioned in other of Paul's epistle. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says that, So you are no longer stranger and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and member of the household of God. Alright, we are in the, now in the household of God. So being members of one another doesn't means that we are not independent. We are interdependent of each other. Alright? That's the meaning of members of one another. 
No individual Christian can function effectively or properly in isolation. We were not meant to function alone as Christian, right? So now we come to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Understanding the word honor, all right? What does it mean to honor someone? The Bible says, honor your father and mother in both the Old and the New Testament. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. In King James, honor the king. And that's likely is the Roman king Caesar. Honor in marriage. Honor means to estimate with value. You're caught recognition and you show appreciation for the other person. So the command therefore is that we will show genuine appreciation and admiration for others. All right. We have to be quick to acknowledge the accomplishment of others and demonstrate the genuine love for others without jealousy. The Bible also mentioned that um, when we honor someone, we should also honor our masters. All right, First Timothy chapter six, verse one. Right, let all who who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own master as worthy of all honor. Your employer, your master, they may be scoundrels. All right, they may be scoundrels. But you, you can regard them as worthy of honor. You can count them worthy the way God counts you righteous. Are you, are you worthy of honor? God counts you righteous, all right, in his, in his eyes to give you his grace. That doesn't mean you don't see their faults in, in the employer's faults, but you act as you speak to honor them, all right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 to 26, Paul illustrates the church as a human body. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Alright, I repeat again. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Right? Which our which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lack it. There are some in the, in the church that have lesser honor. They, have less, they seem to be less honorable. All right? God says that you give greater honor to the part that lack it. That there may be no division in the body. If, we, if, if each of us do it equally, honor each other equally, there will be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care 
may have the same care for one another. So we give greater honor to the parts of this church that are lacking honor. You know the statement that I underline, the members may have the same care for one another. All are cared for equally. All, right? all are joined together equally. There's not, much, there's not more concern for one person than another. There's not greater care for one person than another. We are to estimate the same value for each other equally. All right? This is what God does. All right? God shows no partiality. God values each soul equally. We, like we see in the parable of the lost sheep, all right, in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7, he, Christ was saying that he leaves the 99 sheep alone and went to seek the one lost sheep. He valued that one lost sheep. And when he found it, so glad, he put the, the sheep on his shoulder and carried it home. All right, there's value in it. So God ascribed that value in each one of us. I'd like to make an illustration. In ancient times, there was a king. He decided to find and honor the greatest person among his subjects. There was a man of wealth and property. He was singled out to be given the honor, greatest honor. Another was praised for his ability to heal, right? A doctor. And another for his wisdom and knowledge of the law. Still another was lauded for his business acumen. There were, there were many other successful people that people were, were, were that people brought to the palace, right? And it became evident that the task of choosing the greatest wow, would be difficult. Finally, the last candidate stood before the king. It was a woman. Her hair was white. Her eyes were shone with the light of knowledge, understanding and love. The king asked, who is this? What has she done? The king's aide says, we have seen and heard all the rest. This lady is their teacher. The people applauded. The king came down from his throne to honor her. All right. A, a person who thinks that's less honorable, but she is to be honored above all. Paul did, did not merely say honor each other. In the English Standard Version, Paul commands the prefer, the word prefer is to outdo one another in showing honor. The Greek word mentioned, proegeomi, alright, means to prefer, prefer to lead, to outdo, alright, preferring, leading, or outdo. That's a comprehensive word, alright. So, um, the NIV says, Honor one another above yourself. The New American Standard says, Give preference to one another in honor. King James 
in honor preferring one another. In today's English version says, be eager to show respect for one another. The ESV, outdo one another in showing honor. Another translation says, in honor, in showing honor to one another, take the lead. Alright, take the lead. So Paul is saying that I want you, the disciples, the Christians, to lead the way in showing honor for one another. The idea is not that we put ourselves before others in regard to importance or worth, but we give honor to others first. Alright, and put them first. Lead the way in showing respect and value for each other. What keeps us from honoring one another as God has called us to do? Ultimately, our problem is that we seek our own glory and honor. Jesus repeatedly condemned the Pharisees for loving the places of honor. All right. And he gave us a parable with regard to this problem. In Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 14, Right in ESV version, it says that now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor. All right, let someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place, all right? <clears throat> but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you have a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your fat or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, right? The crippled, the lame, the blind, those who are blessed, right? Because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is one principle that I learned from from young, all right, to always honor someone at the wedding feast, all right, to take the lowest place, all right, to give your seat up for the, for the, for the, for the elderly, all right. So this is a, um, something that we should think about, all right. This parable is not, is not about social etiquette, all right. This is a parable, parable about outdoing ourselves. Are doing others all right in showing honor in God's kingdom. You go sit in a low place, the place that lacks honor. You let yourself be last and give honors to others. Our Christian women, they labor for hours cooking meals and cleaning up after. After what after the meals, all right, we should honor them, all right. I remember this when I was preparing my lesson. I love this character from the Bible, Acts chapter nine, all right. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 40. There was this lady called Dorcas. If you turn your Bible, you come across this uh, lady who was at Jop Joppa. Joppa is a coastal town in Judea. All right? It says in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. The Holy Spirit, it, through the inspired writer of Luke, mentioned two names. All right, in the, in the Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It mentioned her, her Jewish name as Tabitha and a Greek, and a Greek name as Dorcas. All right. So it, it, there's a, some significant in it, all right? And it came to pass in verse 37, it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom, when they had washed, they laid her in the chambers, in the upper chamber. And for as much as the leader was nigh to Joppa, and the disciple had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. All right. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber. It was a funeral wake, all right? And all the widows stood by him. They were crying, they were weeping. And they showed the garments, the coats that Dorcas has made for, for them, all right? While she was with them. Just imagine, funeral wake. Dorcas was in the, in the coffin, or maybe exposed, I don't know, in the custom, all right? But anyway, those, who, those widows that was with her, they brought their garments, the coats that Dorcas has made for them to show the kind of appreciation uh, to others in the community what this Dorcas has done. Alright. So we know after, later on that Peter, wrote, Peter raised her, her up from the dead. It's beautiful, isn't it? So this this uh, parable in Luke chapter 14 tells us that we need to have this humble heart. All right. Jesus values. I'm not first. I'm not second. I'm last. I do not need honor. You should have the honor. All right. And we need to teach our, our children this principle. They need to learn that they are last but not first. And you need to do that in all kinds of life circumstances. Not in telling them that to be last in the grace. Right? <laughs> Not to tell them to be last in the grace. But let tell them to teach them by example. Let the older go through the door first. Let the older, let the, let the older elderly eat first. Let others be first. God is teaching us that we are not first. Alright? So honor needs to be shown equally. Honor is not reserved only for your friends and family. That's why I mentioned just earlier in the slide, we should honor all people. How beautiful is the church? All right. When we are outdoing one another in showing honor. How beautiful in this world will be all if we will listen to the Lord and outdo one another in showing honor. This is God's picture. This is God's picture of family, of marriage, all right, of the church. And of the world. So how do we do that? 
in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, when you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble. Right? Be humble and give more honors to others than to yourself. Right? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 says that make ourselves a vessel of honor, right? Ready for the master's use, ready for every good work. Last of all, I'd like to mention we should honor God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Alright? We need to be we need to change to be a new creature, new creature. Alright. So by doing that, we are honoring God. This this um first Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 mentioned about was taken when regarding Eli, the priest, high priest, and his two sons were also priests. Alright. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29, it says that why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offering that I commanded for my dwelling? And honor your son. The high priest was honoring his son, the two sons, Hotney and Phinehas, Phinehas, is it? Above me, by fattening yourself on the choicest part of every offering of my people Israel. And God gave a, a, a prophecy. He, he says that he who, in first in first Samuel chapter 4, verse 17, he who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistine, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, also Hopni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. And in 18, as soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward for his, from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man, old man, for the man was old and heavy. He has judged Israel 40 years. So Eli... And the two sons was prophesied later on that they, they will perish. God said they will perish because they honor Eli honor his son more than he honor God. So we have to be there was there's this um if if you all remember I think most of you most of the young people here do not remember a show that I like very much. Chariots of fire, right? Chariots of fire in 1980s, early 80s, right? Some of the people here are not born yet, right? There was this, um, it, the show is about two British, British runners. This reporter was saying, he wrote in his article, his newspaper, Paris was in a grip of a heat wave during the 1924 Summer Olympics. The stadium was like a frying pan. The runner, Eric Liddell. The heat was the heat was for runner Eric Liddell. Heat was the least of his concern. His best event was the hundred meters. Had been scheduled for a Sunday. He withdrew. Right. He withdrew because he didn't want to run on the last day. He set his sight on the four hundred meter instead. In the dressing room before the event. The, the, monsieur, the, the, the monsieur handed him a folded paper. It contained this quotation. First Samuel chapter 2, 
verse 30. For those who honor me, I will honor. Alright? So, he, inspired by those words, Eric Liddell, he broke the existing world record and won the gold medal for a 400 meter event, which he has never tried. And he, and he, he beat it with even the best time. Alright? So, God honored those who honor him and put their trust in him. Honoring ourselves is a thankless task, and hoping to be honored by others is prideful. So when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and seek to worship Him, to worship, to worship and glorify Him in all we say and do, He has a way of blessing us, using us, providing for us, establishing our reputation before others. This was what was written by the reporter. So in conclusion, my, my brethren and our friends, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them shall fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God I think every one of us here in this room are valuable to Him. So for, for us, or for our friends here, we hope that you heard the message this morning and believe of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord God. Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 7 are commands that we need to in, we need to help ourselves to change, alright, to become a new creature. And you believe that we can change, we can we can believe in the gospel, then last that please repent, right? Confess your sins, confess confess that Jesus Christ the Lord, and to be immersed for the remission of your sin, or forgiveness of your sin, and to continue to remain faithful, <coughs> right? Church is not something that you go to; it's a family you belong to. Thank you so much for your attention. Take my life and let it be consecration, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the Take my soul.